How are you with authority? Do you naturally resist it? Or do you naturally respond to it well? This is Friday, October 13th. And yesterday, we began looking at what submission to Christ looks like for the husband in marriage. This week, our study is about the gospel and marriage. And already, we have seen a dramatic difference between a marriage built on the grace of Jesus and marriage as the world sees it. We've seen the difference between consumer marriage and ministry marriage. Having heard about the man as the head of his wife, we may automatically tack toward authority. We may even think at this point, Paul is going to tell husbands how to use their authority, but we'd have it wrong. Instead of instructing husbands in the use of their authority, we find Paul explaining that the submission of husbands to Christ leads to sacrificial living. And there's a purpose in this. But let's go to the text and hear what Scripture has to say. This is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 to 30. Why does he love his wife? Well, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Now, before we step back and look at the large picture of marriage, we need to remain with husbands for a bit longer. Notice Paul doesn't bring up the issue of authority here at all with husbands. That is because we have misunderstood one of the key terms used to talk about men and women in marriage. That term is headship. Our use of the word head almost always involves authority. Here's what we read earlier in this section of Ephesians. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. That's verse 23. We also find these words in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. That's 1 Corinthians 11.3. Here's that word head again, relating to men and women. Again, we think of authority. But if we heard that about the head of a company, or the head of a schoolmaster, a head of a school as a headmaster of a school. And if we think this is what it means in marriage, we'd be wrong. And in this case, for sure we're wrong. The head of Christ is not God the Father. They are co-equal members of the Trinity. There is no superiority there, no headship in that sense. So what is Paul talking about here? It turns out that another use of the word head in the original language means source, or something like fountainhead. So yes, the woman, she was taken from the man. He is her head, or her source. From his body, parts were taken by God to create Eve. She was not created like the rest of the creation out of nothing. She was made from the man. And this is also true of the Father God and the Son. The Son eternally springs from the Father. And yes, 
Every man was made by Jesus, created by him. This is this headship that Paul is referring to. Now, you might wonder why this matters. There is a respect and reverence for your head, your source. In that chapter in the book of Corinthians, Paul tells women to wear a head covering as a symbol of this. Here's why this is important. The idea of mutual submission is at odds with what we think of authority. And the calling of the man makes complete sense when we see him as the fountainhead, the source for the woman. Of course, he is to care for her as his own body because she was taken from his body. Of course, he loves her. She was taken from him. She's a part of him. Loving her is like loving his own body. Of course, his mission is to present her blameless. All of this makes sense when we see who she is to him. It doesn't make sense if he is to rule over her. Now, this doesn't remove her calling to submit to Jesus by submitting to her husband. It explains the loving relationship of the husband. This man, the husband, lays down his life for his wife, just as Jesus, the fountainhead of the church, lays down his life for his bride. Now, all of this is very practical. How do we care for that which is part of us? We care and we love and care for her, Paul says, as we care for our own bodies. This is attention. The word husband is a terrific word here. It means to steward, to carefully tend to, and to do so with protection. It means to administer. We get the idea. Husbandry is the art of caring for a plant to help it thrive and ultimately produce fruit. It's about cultivation. This is what Jesus does with this church. Now, as we started today, this does not look at all like what outsiders think Christian marriage is meant to be. They think that it's oppressive and confining, but it's not like that at all. Years ago, when I was pastoring in New Jersey, the father of one of our young people kept a garden at his home. I always enjoyed visiting him at his house because you could not miss the garden. I never saw a single weed. The flowers were stunning, beautiful, and rich in color. The vegetables from the garden were healthy and large. The garden was a sight to behold. How was his garden so wholesome and vigorous? It was simple, but not easy. Time and focus and attention. Here's what it looks like to husband resources with a goal in mind. And this is what Jesus does with his church to present her to himself as a radiant church. This is the model for husbands as they love their wives. Let's pray. We seek position and power, O Lord, our Father. But we see Jesus with a towel around his waist washing our feet. Give us a love that overflows and touches the lives of those around us. We continue to pray today for our Granada marriages that they would show forth Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. <laughs>